wasn't scared of the Shogun, but the Shogun was scared of him. Where it stopped. Oh! <laughs> Motherfucker. Well, it started again now. Back on? Yep, but let's see how much... Yep, it didn't even record it. <laughs> That's okay, I was having fun. But yeah, no, dude, um, just backtrack a little bit to, uh, to, um, where you would just start your little bit over again there with, um, you know, like finding your, finding your characters and character development and that stuff. But like you were saying, you, well, you would, Ludovic sent me an eight page story of his character, Hell Strawberry, and it was, it was kind of insane. And, Part of it was insane because uh, he he's French and he English is his English has actually gotten quite good in the two years we worked together. Mm-hmm. But at the beginning, I think he was just using Google Translate. So I got this eight page of beautiful art, and I like with the Google. It's, it was like a Japanese commercial, you know, like join me. Of course you cannot. <laughs> and I I was it yep. was just this weird juxtaposition of the most beautiful artwork you'd ever seen and just insanity of characters doing things and blowing up and and I was just like and it was very manga influenced although I could I could see Buffy and uh, I, you know just like Buffy's Buffy's my shit so if you don't like Buffy don't tell me <laughs> I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer but um I, yeah, what's that? <laughs> I said we're cool man alright 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 good good <laughs> Um, but, uh, we, I just, I wanted in, so, but I didn't know how, cause it was so, it was so different than anything I could think of. And I just literally, I woke up at 4am, like two nights later after realizing I couldn't work with them. And I had this vision of a girl waking up in an alleyway and she had no idea what she was there to do or why. And I kind of sent him the script. I said, I don't know if this is Hell Strawberry or it's another character. And... I'll just call her Tart, and that just basically, he liked the plot, and he and I emailed back and forth with this this woman, Anna, who introduced us, who knew him and knew me um, through Facebook. I actually met her on my honeymoon, which is the best way to start a story ever. Uh, we were at a line at a Neil Gaiman signing at Forbidden Planet in London, and nice. happened to be near each other, and uh, became friends, and two, three years later, she sent me... You know, an email saying this guy is good, but he's stuck. And the three of us just emails back and forth probably for a month. What is her powers? What are they doing? Why? And there were starts and stops and, you know. Okay, so like the character was kind of, uh, kind of fed to you slowly. Yeah, she, she grew and it's, you know what? She's, She's part Buffy, she's part Rogue, mm-hmm. she's part Kitty Pride. Like, all these powerful women that I've grown up loving mm-hmm. are all thrown in there somewhere. I'm sitting here looking at, at some Tart right now, and and you can, that's what it, you can see that that's what it is, and it's, it is Buffy, and it is, um, I mean, and it's, and it's badass. And so when you have this kind of action-packed scene that I'm looking at right now, how much of a fight scene do you write? Or how much of it does, does he come up with? How much do I choreograph? Yeah. I choreograph more now than at the beginning because I feel like he doesn't... In, I mean, sometimes he likes doing it, but um, I I do a little bit more of the, the choreographing now. Uh, I don't. If you're in, like, issue three, the fight scene is, like, 12 pages, which might be way too long, but that's when I took over. I'm like, ah, it's, gonna be it's, it's so Buffy, you know, like that. That's uh, yeah. It's... Oh, but hey, Tart is Neil Gaiman and Joss Whedon's illegitimate daughter. They don't know she exists, but they birthed her. I, I mean, this is like my whole approach to to comics. You know, my whole approach to Monkey Squad is, you know, I love comics so much. I want to celebrate all of that. I'm going to do that the way I see fit here in Monkey Squad 1. And right. it's like that's what you are bringing to Tart, and that's awesome. 
you're doing it in the in the comedy action and I'm doing it in the thriller action. It's the same thing. It's it's what what story would you like to read and and you write that. It's exactly. I mean, and that's the thing like my favorite comics still are superhero comics that are funny. And I mean, not necessarily, whatever, I don't need to go any further, but that's what I like and that's what I write because that's what I want to read. I, like I said last week, like last episode, I am the world's biggest Monkey Squad 1 fan. I think that shit's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and, and, but do you feel like you are the biggest Tart fan? Let me put it this way. I had a, a model friend, uh, do the, the cosplay for me at the first con we did. Wow. And she's a beautiful, leggy, tall, gorgeous model and we were getting the outfit built and she said to me i can put the skirt up higher and i said no i don't want it higher because i didn't want tart crossing that line right i would love to see victoria with a shorter skirt (laughs) i don't want to see tart with a shorter skirt so yes it probably is almost a mental illness how much I like this character that my entire job is to make her life miserable. Yeah, oh yeah, man. That's what makes you, yeah. So, um... How do you, how do you do it with, like, it being, like, your nephews and your wife and your sister? How do you separate it? Because they're, they're sort of fiction and sort of not. Right, that's the thing. Like, none. I mean, the 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 net. The the fact that these people are related to me, but see, none of that really applies in the comic. The the nephews, at even at the beginning, weren't even based on their personalities, and eventually, the personalities that they ended up with are sort of like their real life personalities, but only because it doesn't make it that way. But for pretty much every other character. Uh, that's not true. Doctor Metropolis is my buddy Joe, and Joe is a big dude that says <laughs> dick things to people all the time. And uh, I've tried to put that in the comic. And Trick Easy, my cousin, is so. So I guess I do just try to make my, you know, my friends and family that I'm going to put in my comic. I try to make those people characters, and then write those characters. But I, I definitely it's. There's no connection in my mind between, like, my cousin Trick Easy and my cousin Nick and Trick Easy, the superstar rapper, because they're not the same fucking person. Right. Except for all of Trick Easy's dialogue is shit that my cousin Nick would say if that were him. But I know when I talk to Nick about Trick Easy, I always use separations and talk about him as a character because I don't want him to get a big head about how awesome it is. <laughs> And uh, but 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 it is uh, it, it isn't anything that that I, I feel like I think about anymore because now it's just the character. Like I just wrote a trick easy scene for um, an upcoming issue, and it it was just natural because that's what the character would say, and I I didn't I don't have to go back to the what would Nick say part of it anymore. I could just stick with what would the character say. And that's how it, it took a little while to get there for me as a writer, but dialogue is such a big deal of how I approach comics that it's hard not to attach personality to it and that it, you know, eventually after so many issues, these characters develop these personalities just by virtue of talking so much. So yeah. now, would you say that it's it's the their original like real life personalities just kind of like magnified, blown up, and put on the page? To an extent, and, and but sometimes I just like bleed their real life personality into their character. But really, like my nephew Connor is a thirteen year old kid. He's a sweetheart. He's a 13-year-old boy, though, and he wants to fart in your mouth or whatever. And, and, you know, but there's still, like, he's still just a good kid, and there's only so much, like, hard personality traits that you can, you know, bring out of that, especially when his little brother Logan is an 11-year-old kid that also wants to fart in your mouth, and their their old Brendan is 14. He wants to fart in your mouth. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mike. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Is that me? Um, 
tin can. But uh, can I keep going? Yeah. I'll wrap it up. Um, it it uh it certainly doesn't uh, it doesn't bleed into it much anymore. But if I haven't, Brendan likes cars. If I have an opportunity to put Brendan in a car or that kind of stuff, I'll do that shit because it it, it gives him more of a personality. But it certainly isn't anything that Brendan, the real life person, would give a shit about because you know. He's 14. He's got a phone. Like, you know, Uncle Doug's paper comics only matter so fucking much anymore. <laughs> now, um... It's better because I can fuck with them more now, you know? Like, now that they're older and not paying attention, I have more liberty of doing whatever the fuck I want to the characters. Yeah, yeah. They're not nine-year-olds anymore where they take this shit personal. Now they're 13 and can give a fuck. Yeah, that's another thing I wanted to ask you guys. Like, when it comes to, like, writing, like, do you try and think of like who your audience is before you start even writing like I mean um, just like with any you know, language and content um, every comic I write I essentially write for me but I also say I write it for my buddy Joe Dr. Metropolis like he's he's the guy that I want to love it and if he does and I do then we're good mm-hmm. is, is really all it comes down to how about you, Kevin? Please, somebody talk besides me. When I, when I, you know, I do my thumbnails, I type it in, I read it through, I rewrite what I've typed. That goes to my wife and Ludo and Anna. I have three readers. If those three like it, it's hard to be good. Because those, those are my three people, you know. Like Stephen King, he writes for his wife. Okay. He's done okay. <laughs> how much feedback or 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 story direction or any any kind of input do you get from and aside from your writer who, who I'm not going to say his name because I'm just going to fuck it up uh, or your uh, artist I mean um but Luda. like will your will your wife say you know this part is slow or this part is weak or maybe do it like this and do you take that kind of stuff into consideration or do you, are you going to just write what you're going to write the person who's most comfortable saying this doesn't work is Ludovic. Okay. Ludo, Ludo is point blank right on. Yes, no. What can we do? Uh, my wife is will tell me she liked it or she loved it or it was great. I she won't tell me she didn't like it, which is nice of her. <laughs> Uh, but she won't get into the minutia of what is or isn't working. She'll she'll be like, yeah, it's good or not. Uh, Ludovic is the one who says, all right, this is working, this isn't. So, uh, but it's also he's the one that has the most professionally invested, and and sure. he's the most yeah, and he can also see it on the page before it's on the page. Yeah, and, and and not just even the most right to do it because if I'm showing it to my wife, she has the right to tell me, eh. But I, I don't think she wants to trample on anything either. So it's it's Ludovic who says, uh-uh, let's go a different way. I mean, when we were doing those emails I was talking about, I had this storyline for Tart that was awesome, and I was excited, and I wrote this six- or eight-page thing detailing it all, and we were going to redeem lucifer with this story we were gonna get him back in the good graces of god it was gonna be great and he wrote back he's like yeah i don't want to do that good call call. and i was like okay (laughs) and then we came up with the second one you know which is in my opinion when if when we finish it gonna be better much better than that because he said no and he has every right to say that and I don't know that anyone else would have been able to point blank go, nah. How much have you had to have? Have you had to take stances on anything in particular, or fight for your vision in in any regard through this process? So far, no. I haven't fought had to fight anything because, like I said, uh, nine times out of ten, if there's a change, he's right. And the one time out of ten that he changes something, it's usually a mistranslation. We, we're really in sync about what we want to do with that. I mean, uh, it sounds like it. it sounds like that's a dream. Yeah. Oh no, it, 
I, I am spoiled, and <laughs> you know, I, I, I write tart with with Ludo, and I, I do another comedy comic called Underwars with one of my best friends, Chris. Yeah, I was reading all of that today too. And, and that's more just like literally, if I come up with something funny, I text him. We, you know, like we throw that one together just as a throw it up on the wall and if it makes us laugh it goes in and we try to fit our jokes together um so that that's more of just almost hanging out having a beer with your buddy type of comic um but in in that one i think we almost (laughs) have a harder time working together because we just sit together and and we try to piece it together but ludo and i somehow just have a the same sense of where we want to go. So I'm kind of spoiled for other artists in the future, but you know, that's, that's a good thing, I guess. Well, well, it seems like this, you know, this sounds like the way to do it. You know, I, 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 you know, I wonder, I wonder through this podcast, if we are going to be able to talk with, you know, guys that are that, I mean, right now you and Ludo are working on something that you both love. That's what I was going to ask too. Is he, totally into this like is he super stoked on target i i think so yeah i've never oh, talked oh, to him i've never met him I don't, I don't know if i said that before i've literally yeah. skyped with you guys more than i've skyped with ludo because i didn't good. have when we started and i think part of me is almost afraid <laughs> worked real well by email so with it well, we'll have to get him on the show too. And yeah, then... man. I, yeah, I <laughs> you can talk to him. I don't. I, I don't. I, I'll listen. <laughs> no, you. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I won't fight for that either. But um, <laughs> I, I, I just I wonder what other guys have to go through when the the artists don't see it, or the how much artists have to stuff what they feel down as opposed like to what they could bring to. You know, the storytelling, you know, that's what I find intriguing about Marvel Method is that you can see it through somebody else's eyes while you make up some words for it. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm even interested in at some point through all of this, drawing somebody else's script just to see what that's like and also writing the script and having somebody else draw it just to see what that's like. Well, you know, you, you do everything. So I guess my advice for you, if you ever do get an artist um, to draw one of a story for you, just um, you got to understand it's you have to give up a little bit of control not necessarily in the story because if they if Ludo does something incorrect and it and it changes the story we fix it right sure sure you know like and that's like I said normally translation but if, if we can work around it, in issue two, which is painted, so it was a lot harder to change, um, I, I had the kids see her and run away from her just because literally I wanted an avalanche. If I'm going to write a story in an ice age, I'm going full on cliche. I'm having an avalanche because right, of yeah. uh, So I wanted the kids to scream and run away. Well, he mistranslated it. He had the kid attack her. I'm like, well, we can work. Uh, all right, you know, all right. The kid's a badass. Okay. Um, so even sometimes if it's not right, it's totally workable. But if it's not workable, that's, that's we just change. So then, how far ahead do you uh, do you write? Because I mean, if that happens in like issue two, and you're, you know, uh, six issues, if you and you've got six issues written, that could change a hell of a lot. God, that'll be a question to answer as we go. I'm not. I have log lines and issue ideas to the end of the series. Um, my my favorite series ever are Sandman. Like they just they work for me. Mm-hmm. They have a beginning, a middle, and they have an end. You know, so that's that's what I want to go to. Those are, I want a story that people can read over and over again. And I know it's great to have one that goes on forever. Yeah, yeah. No. What was the other one? You said you said Sandman, and what was the other one? Uh, Jeff Smith's Bone. Okay, right on. Um, totally. That's awesome. Brilliant to a level of. In fact, don't read Tart. Read Bone. And then. And then. <laughs> no, I'm. A, I agree with you. The series that's got an end is some of the best the things that I'll go back and read. Uh, and everything else just seems kind of daunting. Right, and 
you know, with the time travel element, having an end is nice because we we wrap some things around that come back. Uh, you know, I can say every, basically every character in issue one will be back, and some of them will be meeting her for the first time when she meets them for the second time. You know, and, and that's because, awesome. Yeah, I'm already, I'm already getting the that. time travel headache. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, it is. It is. No, no, it's funny because because I write a comic book with time travel in it, you know, or at least dimension travel, and yeah. and I get I when I sometimes I get reviews where, you know, people say shit like this might get a little convoluted because of the parallel universes, and, and to me it's like all of this makes total fucking sense because. And, and when I read it in other comics, it makes total fucking sense because I get time travel and I like that shit. And when you say that she meets people for the second time and it's their first time, that's fucking badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that's what? It, element of comic books that I like, or that's an element of storytelling that I think is fucking cool. When, when and, it, and it it helps too because it can help you fix problems. Uh, oh yeah. In oh, issue yeah. one, Ludovic did, counted the pages wrong when he drew his double page spread of her fighting the demon. And he sent me an email. He said, oh, uh, "Sorry, uh, this double page spread is going to be on the front and the back of the same page." And so we we thought about it for about three days, and I came up with the page with those devil dogs attack yeah. her and yeah. run away because that's I know cool. she's going to fight these devil dogs right, like awesome. issue nineteen. <laughs> she's going to beat the shit out of them. So they come up to her like a badass, see who she is, and run the fuck away. That's fucking well, awesome. Issue one, what what the hell does that mean? But issue right. eighteen, right. people are like, man, they were so smart. No, we weren't smart. We screwed up on the page numbers, <laughs> and we had to put a page in, and we we lifted something that makes us look smart when we're really not. You know. <laughs> so that that is that is fucking dope, and that I mean that's the beauty of that's the beauty of making comics. Yeah. Hell yeah. Like there are so many things in, and I talked a little bit about this last time. There are so many things that in early issues of Monkey Squad that were just like uh, cameos of friends of mine that I put in the background that that ended up being that'll end up being their first appearance as that character. You know, right. um, even though I didn't know it at the time because I was just doing it, and then later it's like, well, why don't I make this this and make this connect to this? Right. And and this um, the issue I'm working on right now. For Monkey Squad, and kind of like the last annual is this comic that plugs all these holes and not even writes all these wrongs, but takes these turns and, and all points them in this one direction. And it's really fun to tell stories like that. And some of my favorite comics have been presented like that. And that's all I want to do is just make my favorite comics over and over again. You know? right. Now, would, would either I, of you? Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Would uh, Would either of you guys go? Go and do a uh, do a Marvel method book. I I would I would be interested in that. I, I'm at this point. I mean, I'm really not interested in doing anything but Monkey Squad because it all takes time away from Monkey Squad. Oh, but of course. But in theory, mm -hmm. I, I would be interested in experiencing both sides of Marvel method. One, getting a script or or a plot and and some direction and go from there. And I would also like to write that plot and kind of synopsis and hand it off and, and then write dialogue. Writing dialogue is fun as fuck to me and it would be an interesting uh, experiment to see what I could come up with based on what somebody else drew. Yeah. So Kevin, if you sometimes when I am drawing a panel and I'm drawing some a character saying something and I like the facial expression that I've drawn more than I like the words that are coming out of their mouth. And I'll change the words even just a little bit to match more with their expression. Have you found you have you found that at all in making Tart? I probably should. Um, I would say when that happens, I'm more likely to email Ludo and say I need it to look more like this. I mean, I will match things if I feel it works better, but it's probably a better way to go about it. No, Doug, do you mean like uh, just going from like a smirk to a smile? Yeah. yeah uh, you know, he's very good at, at creating emotion, and I am maybe too, uh, I don't know, 
when Dovecry may be too bold to try to have her say one thing and mean another in the comic medium. Um, so I will try to get her, get him to act for her. Gotcha. Right, no, it's, it's, it's huge. I mean, it's huge, to, at least to, to how I present comics or how I present my characters that, I mean, the, the, you know, drawing the expression is what it, you know, is what that character is all about, drawing what their face is doing. And sometimes it's harder than others to get where you need to, for, or for me to get where I need to be to make them look like they're saying this. And maybe right. I'm super fucking crazy and obsessive about it, but that's that's where I take it. And if it, and I just mean, and I, and kind of a smirk to a smile, but just if what the character is, I'll just, like I'll just tweak it just a little bit. If what, as long as if the expression, if the information is the same, but I have to just present the words differently based on their expression, I will do that instead of having to redraw that expression because those don't come easy. Oh, yeah, but I'm lazy, so I'll make him redraw. <laughs> yes. I, have, I have to come up with a different word. You spend three hours redrawing your face. Come yeah. on. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's a little bit of it, but um, the, the instances where I'm thinking of it, I've asked him to redraw it, which is probably really asshole. Uh, now that I, you know, am looking inward. <laughs> <laughs> but now, now, Kevin, same same kind of question to you about Marvel Method. Would you, would you, uh, would you try that out at all? If I was at a point in my life where comic books or writing and writing in general were paying my bills, and I could put the eight to twelve hours a day into it, mm-hmm. I would love for one of my things to be that just to see what it is see what you can do mm-hmm. um, now when I've got to work my you know you know I work part time so 32 to 40 hours a week and then try to fit in writing and you know I got a four and a half year old daughter and a wife and when I'm trying to fit all these things in I, I'm not looking for experiments I'm looking for, right oh right. for sure right. you know and and you know we're we left our publisher and we're trying to figure out how to do it myself. I'm trying to teach myself how to be Stanley, you know, like forget the writing. I'll never be Stanley writing, but how do you be Stanley salesman? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Right now it's not, I'm not looking for experiments. I'm, I'm no, looking no, no, sure. Sure. Just in theory work, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah. would I like to learn how it works? Absolutely. Would yeah. I, be cool to be Brian Michael Bendis, who's like writing, writing, writing four great comic books, and then doing Marvel Method on like nine other comic books and getting paychecks, and they're still really entertaining. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not. I'm not gonna say I'm Brian Michael Bendis because I actually really like him a lot. Heck yeah, no, because I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm taking my stab at it short shortly with uh. Yeah. With with uh, Tim Conroy, but I'm finding it like I couldn't I couldn't possibly sit down and write um, a, f- a full script. Okay. Just not being a writer. Are you guys gonna be in the same like spot, or is it gonna be email and Skype and stuff? All email and Skype. But like, yeah, okay. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even put the. Uh, I'm not even thinking of putting the initial plot down on paper, but actually just riffing with him over Skype. Yeah. You know, so you, he'll still know what a, what the conversation's going to be. Right. Not just like, you know, here's where it's going to start, here's like, you know, the middle end, here's kind of the end of issue one, but, you know, I mean, a full, making out a full flesh story with him. That's the way I'd, I'd see a Marvel method happen. That way, you know, you'd be... Cut down on on uh, repeat communications for one. You, you could sit there and do. You could do. Hot You could totally do some shit where you draw. Um, you know, where you sketch out what a panel would look like on your little device there and, and instant message it to them while you're Skyping. Oh, yeah. And this is what I'm talking about. 
Yep. Like, well, see, another thing is though is I, I, I want, I don't want to have to, I don't want to put down something so solid on on paper and say like you know right. this is what I want to see. You don't want right. to constrain them in any way. At, not at all. But I mean, at the same time, I've got a, uh, I've kind of got plans for the way that, like. Um, the colors are gonna want. It. I'm gonna want the colors on it because I'm also like writing writing it as a colorist. Right. So I, I kind of have have an idea of the way a full a full piece of art should be colored, but I don't want to tell him how the uh, the pencil lines on that have to go. Right. It's which is really no, strange, no, and it's not some so it's not something you could actually even probably put down on paper because then you'd be just telling them exactly what those pencil ends are going to be. Oh, yeah, it's dude, it's it's really strange the way it's the way that I'm planning it out in my head right now. And like you said, like I don't think I could even put it down on paper. So like I'm thinking like Marvel method, like air quotes is the way to go. Right, or, or at least, but that's the thing. Like that, you know, with saying that you could just draw it on your you know, device of how, how the fuck your kids do this shit and send it to them right away and share your vision instantly as opposed to Kevin and different languages and countries and emails and translations and shit, but communicate so closely, even though you guys live in, on different fucking continents, that you guys can create something fucking awesome, I'm sure. And, and, and something that's a shared vision, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, we we can barely hear you, man. Can you hear him? I, I cannot. No. Anything now? Yes, yeah, sir. Okay. okay, I don't. Maybe my mic. Um, the, ever, there's no right way to do comics. Right. No, no, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Because <laughs> before we fucking lose the whole thing, we have one of those podcasts that don't have an ending. Go well, we lost the call. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we already lost the first twenty minutes thanks to the Skype recorder. Oh no, shit! Oh, oh man. hey, I'm Doug Michelle. <laughs> We're here with episode two. <laughs> oh, okay. That's um, all right, man. We should just rename the show Trainwreck. Hey, man. Well, you know, whatever. That's 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 how laid back we are. That's is that uh, we'll just not even give you the first twenty minutes of the show. Yeah, we'll we'll start the show at the end. Yeah, <laughs> kiss it. <laughs> do we want? Yeah. Do we want to be done? You want to try that again? Oh. Doug, are you using a mic? I am not using shit. That's probably why. I have a um, a, a tinfoil hat on. I don't know if that has anything <laughs> to do with what's going on. And I did just get headgear and braces. So, that, you know, in my hook hand. But besides that, I don't know what your problem is. Oh, boy. Yeah, but you know. I think we need to uh, kickstart you a headset with a mic. I'm, I'm talking to you guys through my Nintendo 64. Is that <laughs> is that right? Dude, uh, you, you should maybe maybe use your Game Boy for episode three. I can't even uh, hear through my fucking headphones here. Like I just just fucking floating in the wind, man. <laughs> Sad and old uh, in Missouri, talking into a shabby laptop. In a tinfoil hat. I, I know I'm just gonna fucking reverb as soon as I start going into another 20 minute thing about being emotional about comics. See? So, fuck it, reverb, man. That'll be the na- that'll be the name of the episode. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> bueno, excelente. <laughs> What else is going on, guys? Okay, so I'm just making a note to fucking 
the fuck is the time now? Did it really not record the first 20 minutes? That's fucking hilarious. Dude, I told you, man, there's gonna be, there's always gonna be hiccups. That's hey, yes, hey, you know. I hiccup all over the place. No, I just made like a little timestamp here for uh for the super mega reverb. <laughs> <laughs> Not so I can cut it out, but so in the show notes I can send people directly to it. Perfect. <laughs> I got something for you. Yeah, there is. That was it. But okay, so so Kevin. Kevin? Kevin? Uh oh. I don't have any Kevin either. Uh oh. Oh, whoa, whoa, Kevin, no, it's bueno. Oh. Yeah, because I want to know how much friggin', how much world building he ended up having to do now that he, now that I know that he kind of just jumped into a half-created world with Hell Strawberry. Right, I want yes, I want to know how much that's reflected in the writing of future stuff too, like just like Trenchcoat Universe. How, I would just imagine you'd be inspired by what you'd see. We don't even need him. Let's do this podcast. Come on. No, wait, he's, he's he's typing me. Is he? I can hear you guys. I'm trying. Hmm. Just you type into the instant message. I'll I'll just do it like this. That sounds perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do a special voice <laughs> with, a, with a twang or something. Do it with a French accent. We'll just start calling him Ludo. Robotic. He said do it robotic, so I certainly will. Um, no, but yeah, I want to know how. But I know that I know that he can hear us, and it makes it even sadder. <laughs> yeah, are you talking now? Uh, I have all my fucking yeah. <laughs> I, I gotta let me switch my double A batteries. And, uh, let me move my antenna. Have some foil on it. <laughs> oh, most notes on this shit too. This is gonna be great. Yeah. It's gonna be great. This is for the fans. <laughs> for real. <laughs> you gotta love it. You gotta love us to listen. No casual listeners. And we've only given you one previous episode to fall in love. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you get. <laughs> Not hardcore. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but I mean, because like you just you just took St. Louis and Washington, real life places. Yeah, I I well, and I did uh, I, I did end up doing All Girl Earth, and I did when they went on a they go on a tour of the multiverse at one point, and I did just a bunch of one-panel shots of these different worlds that I just kind of made up as I went along. Um, since then, I've gone back and, and I've taken those worlds and, and I will use them and develop them further, with, you know, yeah. like I did with All Girl Earth. But um, as far as... No, no, I got to... I guess I got to focus more on the adventure and the action aspect of it and the character development. Not that to say that Kevin doesn't get to as well because, you know, I'm sure he does, but... Um, I certainly can't look at my... I mean, sometimes I can look at my own art and be re-inspired to write something differently, but it certainly doesn't work like that where I get these pages back, except for I can see it working with you in that already the way that you've... When you color something and it makes me see this existing... My existing art in a different in a different way, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, I, if that had ha- all happened as it was being drawn back then, who knows where the story would be now. Very true. Very true. Yeah, there's so many different ways that things can influence the way a story goes. Right, and that's the thing, like, for, you know, I've read enough fucking comics to know, you know, about, like, choosing the, I've done enough choose-your-own-adventures to know about, um, you know, this decision that you make here 
and how it affects it down the line and things like that, you know, who knows? The infinite possibilities and wonders. I'm going to try something. I wonder, is he typing you with what his trouble is? No. Hmm. Let me try something. Kevin, are you still there? Yeah, he's still there. He is enjoying the show. He's trying to find another mic. Oh, okay. You guys, that's incredible. You guys use mics, huh? Wow. Yeah. It's it's it was it's really just to get rid of that reverb. But so but so now I'm under. Now I feel like none of this is my fault. <laughs> oh no, not at all. Okay, then I am redeemed and once again a podcast champion. <laughs> so okay, um, all girl world. Um. Uh, when when I when I started doing uh, when I found that I had to go back to all girl world, all girl world, um, I man, oh, fuck, I, I, like I said, I never even talked about this out loud. When I when I had to go back to all girl world, it was something that I briefly showed in one panel in issue four. The boys are going on a tour of the multiverse, and one place they stop by is all girl Earth, and it's one shot in there. Fly, the boys are flying above the girls, and there's a crowd of girls on the ground, and they're on the street, and and that's all you see, and they they got a joke or whatever, and that's all you see. And so when I had to go back there, I had an idea of what I wanted to do with All Girl Earth, and I wanted to do, and I, and I talked about it a lot. I wanted to do boob houses. I wanted there to be houses that were. That were shaped like domes, nice. so one Titty of the huts. kids would make a joke about boob houses. That's where I had. That's where I wanted it to go, and that's where I took it. But I fucking fretted over this one panel in issue four with this street, and I didn't draw any streets in my um, portrayal of All Girl Earth in its current incarnation. And I do plan on. They're they're still on All Girl Earth. Last time we saw them in issue twelve, so there's still more story to tell there. And I plan on at least maybe alluding to where there might be a street if, if, where there's not just this you know these rows of, of dome boob houses. Okay, so so you, when uh so you did actually have a, a plan, maybe not like is that all you knew that you wanted to have was just a place that was all all girls <laughs> and had titty huts. Yeah, and and the, the and then but that kind of stuff just takes it. Then then I just go deeper, you know. And yeah, then yeah. when they got to the the titty huts, it was you know what, what you know what is the point of these? And so it ended up there being an underground complex. There's an underground, you know, they go to this underground complex and it's fast and um it'll and then so then from there I made it. In my, you know, it never came out of the story, but in my mind, it's such that they don't, they build underground, and they don't want to ruin the surface of the earth with their uh, constructs and shit, and so they build underground, and that's just what they're gonna do, you know, and 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 it, it it's then it's just fine, you know, like. And, and that's kind of part of the magic of comics, too, is that I could just... It, comics, you don't get called... I was just listening to that Jim Lee, Fat Man Batman. You don't get called on shit in comics, and it's true. Like, you could just... I just say that the stuff that powers the weapons is dark monkey matter, and that's just what it is. I don't have to know shit about science... Or I, I, I could say they go to all these dimensions. I don't have to know shit about that. It might be better if I did, but I fucking don't. And um, but I still can do it, and I can't get called on it because it's comics. And, it, and in comics, you could do you could do that sort of thing, and it's part of the culture, and it's you know, and it's always okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I mean, so you don't sit down and uh, you wouldn't sit down to to write out like every little aspect of what life on. No, on the planet would be like no, or anything it, it, like it, that. It never, it, it no, and I could see how something like that would come in handy for somebody that was going to write like a you know like a really good story. Sure, oh, so that's but. like that's like the scary aspect of of like story building for me, man. Like it's I just like you could get you could get so bloody bloody anal that you wouldn't yeah you know even end up writing the book because you're just writing about what the book would be about. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? No, totally. So, like, sometimes I get so caught up in the background. Like I said, I had the scene that's in the mall and in the video game store, and it was just a pain in the ass. And, um, but you, uh, you still, oh, fuck. I, I, I know that, I know that when I read comics, I only pay so much attention to the background. But I still am such a obsessive fucking dude that I need to draw these backgrounds, which is funny because what your experience is with my backgrounds and what Squad Wars. But um, I, I now need to draw these these complete backgrounds. But I know that people just look at backgrounds for a split a split second, and and really you only notice it if it sucks. You know, I I only notice backgrounds if um, they suck or if they're non-existent. You know, if you go through some pages and panels. I think he's using Morse code. If you go through some pages and panels and don't see any backgrounds, if, if I don't see any backgrounds in a couple pages or even so a few panels in a row, that shit pisses me off when I'm reading a comic right. because I feel like that's taking away from the storytelling. But then I also notice that I've looked at plenty of like awesome Jack Kirby shit where he does, you know, two lines and it's a background, as opposed to me drawing every individual game case and calling it the background. Like, he could bang, bang, bang that shit, and it's badass, and it's a complete background, but he, I'm sure he spent way less time on it than I did with my malls and shit. But, but when I see something in, in my mind's eye, in my comic-making eye... Mm -hmm. For the most part, it's what I would see in the movie of Monkey Squad 1, and I do my best to translate that through my hand onto the page. I mean, I, you know, I, like I talked about last time, I draw on all fucking rectangles, all square, all widescreen shit, you know, 95% of it. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, you know, that's, it's just because that's how I see it in my brain, and that's how it's got to come out of my hand. Yeah, man. Okay, I'm yep. trying again. Can you hear anything? Yeah, dude. Oh, my God. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I'm sorry. We've gone through three mics, and I went back to the original one, and it's all good, so I don't know what happened. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's all good, man. It's all good. It's all good. No, we were just talking about uh, actual world building. I don't know how much you were able to hear while you were on your hunt. Uh, yeah, not a little, but not much. Kind of bits and pieces. I so go ahead. Sorry. I'll no, no. Let me start over. No, no. Please. When you <laughs> when you were doing your world building for well, Sean, you ask your question. Go well, ahead. I just wanted to know, like how like how much world building like you got you were able to do with with Tart on your own after you know after we've realized that you kind of like stepped into it from like from uh with Hell Strawberry already kind of being something like how how much did you get to uh to world build and oh, collaboratively a ton. Um, I would I I wouldn't take anything um, you know as, as mine, but little tiny. Here's a tiny detail. Um, you know, in the first one, she pays the trenches with teeth. Yeah. You know, so my thing was okay. So if there's demons and there's gods and there's time traveling chicks that fight them why do we even exist? Like, what do we bring to the table? And I just thought we were, we're just currency for, for the, for the, the king of hell and the people above souls might be a scorecard that they're, they're keeping. And you know what, for the lesser demons, our teeth are literally money in it. And that's where the tooth fairy comes from, you know? So yeah. the, the yeah, underworld, awesome. each other, baby teeth and that's you know like I, the line is are those teeth legit and she says still pillow warm oh. that is that is tiny and little and not I mean that that's as vocal as you'll hear me say it yeah but that's there and that's that's part of our world so little tiny things and then and then you know the big things I did hear Doug you talk about uh, you know not knowing science not knowing dimensions well with time travel if if Tart messes up, the history is changed. So if we ever screw something up and say a 1954 building doesn't exist, well, it would have existed except for the fact that somebody messed something up in the past. So we, we just have our out. Right, that sounds Whatever awesome. we screw up, we've got our out. Yeah. 
Yeah, good move. Yeah, we try, but um, then you know, like the second issue is in an ice age. So, all right, I go on Wikipedia and, and I look through, and I'm like, all right, when would a would a mammoth exist five thousand years ago? Maybe not, but there were two ice ages. So, guess what? This ice age was the first one. Does that matter to the person reading it? Not at all. No, no, right, right. But do you need do you need as a writer if you're going to write an ice age? Do you like is there a a caption that says what year it is, or is that I'm looking now? Uh, like, no, she up there, she doesn't know where she is, right, or what year it is, or whatever. But yeah, do you personally, as a writer, need to know like what year this could take place in to be able to then move forward. Like, I, I whether I need to or not, I try to. Um, okay. I wanted her because I thought it would look really cool to be in Central Park near the Alice in Wonderland little statues. I don't know if you've seen any uh, photos of it, but I also wanted her to be there in 1954 in Manhattan. Well, that wasn't made until the mid-60s. So we, we, we said, well, that sucks. And we went back and we put it in Washington Square Park, which worked perfectly for us because there's a big structure that has actually the, mimicking a structure that's in France. So we got to kind of play with the American thing for us but yeah if, I don't want to be wrong I don't want to get called out on it if I do I wrote my out but I try I try to learn about the things um, you know I, I'm going to screw enough up I know <laughs> alright yeah cause man fucking coming up but like, it, you like I would say it's it's a it's a, a, a story by story process though like you add certain things, and then a character will come in, and you like working with that character. And you know, the the little boy in issue one will come back into the story, but when he comes back, he's fifty five years old. You know, so Ludo and I did kind of what's the trajectory of his life going to be, so that he can be what we need him to be at that. Uh, so that's like so. Essentially, you're almost like doing like world building that with the reader doesn't even see like how much how much of that has happened for you uh yeah a, a little bit yeah Cause, i mean cuz i mean you like you could go like way down the friggin rabbit hole with with world building and so like so in issue 2 when there's you know cave kids like do you do you know what their average day was like no, 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 I didn't go that far. No, I'm too lazy for that. <laughs> well, no, no, well, that also just seems like it would be unnecessary if it was if the reader wasn't going to know. But that's I was kind of just. I, I know, up? I know that one of the bodies in the castle that the spider demon killed was the father. I know that the father went out to get food. He had two kids, a wife, one on the way, or a wife, you know, like a partner, you know. Right. One way, so I know he went out to hunt food because during an ice age and there's almost no food, and he found this castle and walked in and was was killed by the spider. I I in no way put into the anything that one of those bodies of the ceiling that fell, you know, right. was him. But I know that. Okay. Um, so I know how they lost their the the patriarch of the family, but I don't. You know, I don't know what the kids do on a day-to-day basis, but I do know that when Dad didn't show back up, the older brother had to go out and get food because Mom's nine months pregnant; she can't move. Mm-hmm. Right. So, it, it, you know, I'm I'm definitely probably not as in depth as you know. I just started a Game of Thrones because I don't like watching anything that I could read first, and you know, George R. R. Martin's you can just tell is doing. A thousand lot. times more leg work than I do, but he's also, you know, a ton more experienced and better. So, so little by little, what you need to know, I try to find out. But if I don't need to know it, I try to go on to the next thing I got. Like, do you see the dad's body before you meet the kids, or do you meet the kids first? I met the kids first. And so, when you get to this point where you need dead bodies 
and you decide then that one of them is going to be the dad, or do you know this scene? Is you know when you're writing the script, I guess. Did you, did you know the, at your first pass that the dad was going to be one of these bodies? I wouldn't say no, no, I don't. I don't think so. I said there were like three or four up there. One of which, one of which would be Winter. One of which would be the dead toxic. And I, I wanted more than just that. So kind of in my own mind, one of the bodies that was up there as well was the dad. So no, it was kind of more filling in the the visuals of the scene. Right. And it gave me a good excuse for why the dad wasn't there. Right. And, and by the time you got to that page, had you <laughs> had you uh, gotten to the point where you'd gotten the art back that where the kid was attacking Tart as opposed to being scared and running away? No, I'd say that was that was in the the first draft I sent him that that the, one of those bodies might be the dad. I think I think that's the way I put it in the script. One of those bodies might be the dad. Okay. I don't, you know, it didn't definitively. It didn't matter for the story so much, so I didn't go out. I just I knew I wanted more than I didn't want two bodies, one being a toxic, one being winter. I felt that was too easy, so I wanted the spider demon to at least have killed two other beings. Right. So in my mind, he's been there hundreds of years. Somebody else will have showed up. You know what I mean? That's crazy. So, how, how many issues have you actually Have you written out the whole thing? No, no, not at all. I've written um, issue five and six are fully scripted, and issue seven is partially scripted. But you know where you know where it's all going to, though. Yes. Yeah, I do. Uh, and that's partially just because when we were trying to, you know, show to IDW and Dark Horse, I wanted to pretend I knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I came up with the, the through line and said, you know, an issue this, this will happen, issue this, this, this will happen. And um, I, I worked that out more to, fit, you know, like fake it till you make it. I was faking that I knew what I was doing, but mm-hmm. in having that, it gave me a nice skeleton to fill things in. I have an issue about five issues later that is really kind of the the huge exposition. This is what the toxic universe is. That's all scripted. That's probably going to be issue eight or nine, something like that. But it's real fluid because issues four, five, six, and seven didn't exist when I made that log line. And I was dumb enough to not even pay attention to think I could write a Godzilla story. And now I realize, oh, it's so sued. So uh, that has been thrown out. <laughs> um, so it's you know it's fluid. And... So now, so now, okay. So if you like you were saying before, like you know you you've got a story that's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. So do you have like a like I don't know what your background for like creative writing education wise is, but there's like the uh, do you approach it from like the three act play? Like they always kind of try and Push on you in school? No, I, I, because it's so episodic. Okay. Uh, because it's so episodic, I look at it more as, it's more Tart's character arc between the thirds of the, the comic. You know, the first third will be kind of her finding her way because she's the newest toxic. The second third is almost like the teenage years where she starts to rebel against her own you know her own misgivings about what her group is yep and um when somebody makes a mistake that puts them all basically in dire danger for doing the kind of mission impossible uh oh shit i better you know off on my own fix everything so it's more her her character arc as opposed to the plot line like i i can't yeah. imagine this as a movie i can imagine it as a tv show because i just think yeah. it's so episodic not <laughs> someone wants to make a movie they can call me <laughs> no but i think that that's funny like when 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 sean and i were talking when you were hot mic, you know, um i was saying that you know everything I, the way i see my comics in my mind is is widescreen like a movie and okay. i 
and the I, it sounds like the way you see yours in your mind is episodic, like a TV show, and that's I, I mean I think that that adds a you know a, a sense of, of tone to to what you're doing you know and, and so is it do you have it broken down as far as like, like these issues these things to make the plot fruition. Uh, yes. Yeah. Definitely. And do you have room to play with story and themes between these pivotal issues? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We can, uh, we can come up with a little adventure story. Yeah, we're losing. <laughs> still there i am still here okay so how would you rate the overall quality of this call oh yeah <laughs> i and i do know that I, I do know that kevin's got to he was trying to go at about 1 30 okay um so we'll see we'll see how it goes am i back or no yes yep. you're back oh jesus we <laughs> Storms down here. I don't know if that's doing it, but I think it's actually Skype, not the microphone. Which is, I'm so glad I spent 15 minutes trying to switch our microphones before. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We don't want to hold you up. I know when we talked earlier. You were saying that. Oh yeah, my wife a kid, so I'm good. If you want to keep talking, I'm good. You're okay. gonna edit. <laughs> well, I'm. I, I wouldn't count on too much editing. <laughs> From to be honest with you, uh, awkward silence. We will totally. I think we're prepared to to put us through the if we're gonna do the reverb episode, we'll also do the silence episode, <laughs> and it'll just be you know you hardcore tart fans, which is a hard thing to say in a row, or you <laughs> or you hardcore comic Ronin fans will just have to go through. The reverb and the silences to get to these nuggets. Mm-hmm. That's how you'll end up becoming a comic book Ronin. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah, what were what were uh, what were you guys saying before uh, um, the uh, second reverb track? Oh, uh, I I, um, I think we were talking about world building still. Mm-hmm. That, uh, and it does look like, I mean, I guess, Kevin, your whole series is set up to go to all these different places. And I'm sure we haven't seen all of the places there are to go. Is that, that I would have, I imagine is true, right? We've seen hell, so. I'm not gone. Are you? <laughs> are you hearing words? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me neither. I kind of a little bit back there, but not really. <laughs> this is such a fucking dope looking comic, though, dude. Oh, I know, eh? How are, how are you checking it out? You got the uh, the paper copy? Have, you got the uh, PDF? I have the PDF, and uh, man, I, we gotta get. Ludo on here and talk about these fucking colors are sick. Yeah, I know, I like. I mean, yeah, this. But then I and I would want to know what it would be like drawing to to know to already know to see it in your brain in color when it comes right out the box. You know, when you're putting it on a page, knowing that you're going to draw it in color, what you know, how does that influence what you're going to draw? Yeah, and I mean, um, and he was saying that uh, issue two is painted, so you don't mean you don't even have pencil lines. That's the snow one. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. Come on, Kevin. What's up, dude? Oh, I know. He's he's uh, he's just messaging me here now. He says, okay. "You know what? I'm sorry, guys. Say goodbye for me." So. Yeah, right. Uh, we just did one of the. Oh, we didn't do the one where it's okay. 
We didn't at least end it as shabby as the ones where it's like, we're sorry. <laughs> but, but it's pretty fucking shabby. <laughs> it's, it's the way we're supposed to be, right? But this time, you know what? I made a comic book in my fucking living room and... You know, what the, you know, so that's right. Our podcasts have endings like this. Kevin, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, I, man. What we had was, was good, and it, it's it's pretty exciting to me as far as this podcast is concerned. You, you know, if we can generate that kind of conversation just that kind of quickly just by talking about how we make comics, then this is going to go just fine. The funny thing is, is he can still hear us. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's answering my questions. (laughs) Oh, fuck, man. Well, let's let's wrap, let's wrap, right? Let's let's wrap it up, I say. Um, Check me, okay. We got, let's do the thing where we say our names and where you can find us at and it would I, the one question I had for Kevin was how to fucking pronounce his <laughs> Twitter handle <laughs> please um, you can find Kevin Joseph on Twitter at B-N-O-K-J which I imagine is a word or something. Well, I'm guessing the last two is going to be his initials. Okay, Joseph, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good call. So, you know. Epis- episode three will be us trying to figure out what the first three initials are for. And, uh, <laughs> and hit him up on Twitter and uh, ask him to send you a copy of Tart. <laughs> yeah, he'll send you uh, the first four issues, I'm sure. <laughs> and his other comic underpants or whatever it was called. And um, but, and then I'm Doug Michelle, and you can find me on Twitter at Monkey Squad One. And who who are you again? I am Sean Fagan, and I'm at Potato Waste on Twitter. Oh, and I got an answer from Kevin here. It's B No K J. B No K J. B No. Yeah. Okay. That's the drug. Yeah, that doesn't make you fart. That's exactly it. That stuff comes in handy, dude. I live on that shit. I have it for breakfast. Get soy milk. Hold that shit down. All right, thanks for listening, and come back next time when we have conversations that start at the end and end in the middle and don't have and guests all the way through. And you'll never hear the actual beginning. <laughs> no, no, I'm so it was such, that was like the good part where I asked him about the. What you, that was a good part. <laughs> yeah, you would have loved it, people. <laughs> Guys, folks, you really fucked up and missed out. <laughs> yeah, I, so. blame, I blame the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>